It's time to get in the zone. The Fantasy Football Zone. Hey guys, where else would you rather be? Get involved with the show by following us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Want a piece of that championship? Put it in here. This is the Fantasy Football Zone. And welcome back in Fantasy Football Zone. It's PJ and again Joe Bardo from RotoWire.com joining us. Joe, I, we were just talking off air and I, you know, it was a rough week for me and my three leagues that I'm in. It sounds like more of the same and I had to ask, I mean, to me, it seemed like scoring was down big time this week. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, d- scoring was definitely down. I-, I think some injuries played a key part, right? Delvin Cook got, well, Delvin Cook and Stephon Diggs in that same plan. Monday yes. Night Football got injured. Diggs came back, at least. Uh, obviously, Delvin Cook did. didn't. We kind of have to figure out what his stats will be this week. But like uh, in the, for me, I had uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and Adam Thielen and uh, I ended up benching Kenny Galladay, who played on Thursday night or Thursday afternoon, I should say, against the Bears. Figuring at least one of those two guys could be helping. It certainly seemed like it was going to be the case, especially with Thielen. Then he got ruled out, of, of course, before Monday night's game, and that really ended up being a difference maker in one of the playoff teams that I could have had. It was it was this point a week. I I had a chance for three other teams, or sorry, two of the teams to make the playoffs, and they just completely bombed those teams. There's yeah. there's no hope at all. Lost a few playoff seedings in a different one where now I'm in the sixth spot when I could have been in three or four. And then I, I started out a two-week playoff stretch in the opening round of the playoffs, and I'm already down 100, 100 points. So wow. it's like I basically lost already, even though it's a two-week thing. which is It's a weird feeling to have. And here it is, playoff time, too. We're already overnight analyzing who we should start. Now we, like, put that up 100% on who we should start. And when we have all these issues going on <laughs> – this is where we get complicated, and our wives don't understand why uh, our make-believe football teams stress us out this much. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. And then you have a guy like myself who was recommending the Eagles defense because yes. two weeks prior, because of this great stretch where they play the Dolphins, Giants, and Redskins, and then the Eagles defense, for whatever the reason, despite playing the uh, Patriots well and other teams before then, completely and utterly laying egg against the Dolphins, and, and I, you know, I'm, I'm eating crow. Uh, as we speak, and, I, and rightfully so, but it's, it's, it's so hard because you, you enter with some expectations. Like Ronald Jones, he's had a great spot against the Jacksonville Jaguars. This should be a fantastic opportunity for him. Yes, I got burned by him. I actually spent the majority of the Tuesday podcast venting very, very adamantly about how much I hate the Buccaneers, and Bruce Arians in particular. Uh, and, you know, of course, then it was Peyton Barber who gets 15 carries for his 44 yards, making sure we have to hit the under three yards per carry average that Peyton Barber who is on yes. par with Kalen Blige in terms of worst running backs available in the NFL. He gets to do that all because Ron Jones misses one block. It just, it's so frustrating at times, and uh, there's the, the highs that come with fantasy football are so high. But, man, when these stupid lows happen, they are so low. And, and here we go with Fitz Magic again in Miami. It's just, uh, it was in the beginning of last year, and now playoff time for fantasy comes, and now he's starting to turn it on. This feels like such a, a Ryan Fitzpatrick thing to have happen yes. that maybe he ends up dictating who ends up win, winning a fantasy playoff league. And you can just imagine a scenario like that unfolding. I mean, there's times uh, in the past three or four years now where Fitzmagic has been a guy that you almost have to have in your lineup for three to four week stretch, but it's never occurred during the fantasy playoffs. I'm not ready to go just that far and say, okay, he's going to have to have like a, a must start, especially at the quarterback spot. But there are crazier things that have happened in fantasy football, and Ryan Fitzpatrick dictating the outcome of a playoff game is is in the realm of possibility. I think that's how weird this season has become. So obviously a lot of key injuries this week, as we touched upon, affecting scoring. I know the big one, 
uh, with Dalvin Cook. You know, it sounds like he wants to play, but we'll find out. Madison, obviously, a lot of you have already picked him up or on waivers. Which direction do you think we're leaning here? Yeah, it's interesting. As of the Tuesday recording when we did that podcast, Madison was only owned in 30% of Yahoo leagues. I, I was stunned to hear how low that number was. Like, we have been saying now for quite a while, and I'll, I'll continue to stand on, on that hill, but what was the point of having a wide receiver four or five, like the Cole Beasley's of the world? I know he did really good against in the revenge game against the Cowboys, but like those types of receivers, when you have prominent backup running backs, that could have fallen into an exact situation like this and been huge fantasy difference makers down the stretch. Like I, I, I have like Madison should have been around fifty percent owned. Maybe it's because those those people in those leagues weren't competing in the playoffs, and you're kind of already taking out some of the player base. But for anybody that was in the playoffs, if Madison was somehow available on your in the waiver wire, that should have been an immediate pickup. And you look at the Vikings' schedule. Obviously, it's going to be shaping up that Week 16 match against the Packers yeah. as what what's going to be the difference maker for the Vikings' season this year, regardless of what they do in the upcoming weeks, or at least we assume. Again, the Lions. We don't know Matthew Stafford's stats quite yet, but the guy has multiple fractures in his back and. Lines are going nowhere. I still continue to believe that there's no reason why he's coming back. And David Blau did pretty okay against yeah. the Bears on Thanksgiving and, and might be a, a decent enough option for them to utilize. But I think the Vikings could beat the Lions and beat them pretty thoroughly without Delvin Cook in the lineup. So if you're that franchise and looking ahead at the schedule, why would you put your star running back out there, especially when Alexander Madison has been more than competent in that role? I, I understand Cook wants to play. But if I'm the Vikings, there's no reason that he should be out in the field come Sunday. We'll talk about the Sunday night, or, the, or I should say the late Sunday afternoon, uh, Patriots, Chiefs. I mean, coming into this, you know, this season, you looked at that, boy, they're going to put up some big fantasy points. That Patriot offense, I wasn't really buying the concern. I thought they'd click and get it together. Now here we are this late in the season. I don't, I don't know how many more options besides Edelman I can trust in that offense. Yeah, it's interesting. We have Brady ranked 14th this week, and you'd imagine against the Chiefs, specifically maybe the, the like the early to mid portion season Chiefs defense. It's like, wow, Tom Brady's ranked 14, yeah. the Tom Brady with Julian Edelman and everyone else, and and I think it's entirely justified. Like if you're in a 12 team league, you were probably drafting Tom Brady as your second quarterback, at least if you were doing drafts yeah. in the middle of August. So you probably have better options. There might be an Aaron Rodgers that you can use, or even a Josh Allen against the Ravens this week, who's been a pretty consistent running option. Like there, there's a, a, a quite a bit of them. Like Kyler, Kyler Murray might be that that cutoff point. And mm-hmm. here's a, a conversation that I've had to think about: Do I start Baker Mayfield against the Bengals defense or Tom Brady? And I think I'm going to end up going Baker Mayfield. Not so much that I believe Brady's going to be bad, but I think. Mayfield has a higher ceiling, and I'm looking for more points in that in that situation. But it's crazy. Other than Julian Edelman, you're 100% right. I don't think you can really utilize Muhammad Sadu. Uh, Phil Torsett hasn't been fantastic. James White is about the other like, consistent option. And it's taken a lot of junk time production, especially last week, in order for him to hit that kind of floor that you're looking for when you're starting a running back two or flex. So it's, it's really weird to say the Chiefs-Patriots is going to be a defensive battle, yeah. but I think that's what we might be coming down to yeah. for a pretty pivotal spot in the AFC playoff race. Another team, you know, the Cowboys again on Thanksgiving. I mean, Zeke, he got his yards. I mean, not huge, but he put up some production that may have helped you a little bit. But, I mean, Amari uh, had a decent game, so a little bit of a bounce back as well. But, uh, again, they, they just, they're not putting up the points that you expect them. And like you've been saying all along, they're just not that great of a team. 
No, they, they really aren't, and I think they're saved by the fact that the Eagles are also not a very good team, yeah. and, and certainly what we've seen from the Eagles in the past weeks, I have to imagine the Cowboys have a little bit more talent and, and consistency that they're going to end up winning that division, but again, that's going to come down to really their game, I think, in week 15 or 16. Actually, it might be week 17. I don't yeah. quite remember, but uh, they're going to have to decide that one amongst themselves because it's quite clear nobody wants to win this division at the moment, and uh, you know, it, it was weird to see the Bills be so dominant offensively, but it's a credit to Josh Allen in particular. Uh, I was pretty negative on Josh Allen when he was drafted. Obviously, yeah. the accuracy concerns were very real. We had no idea he could be this athletic. I was going to say runner. That's the same that, that, thing. Like that, yeah. That's a huge difference maker. If you yeah. told me Josh Allen is going to be the second leading running quarterback for two consecutive years. I think I would have had a little bit of a different viewpoint mm-hmm. because arm strength is great, but this isn't Madden. Like we you can't just yeah. chuck it deep and hope for things to work out. You have to be accurate, and he's gotten a lot more accurate this year. It's still not even league average. I think it's maybe a little bit less than that. So it's not perfect. There's a lot of things that he can still improve, but he has made a significant difference. And you look at the weapons the Bills have. John Brown's turned into one of the more elite receivers in the NFL, which is something that a few people, especially we had a colleague Mario Puig, who's been very high on John Brown for his career, but there's been a few people have said that, and Cole Beasley was never a, a dominant weapon out there as well, but he's turned to a serviceable wide receiver three or wide receiver four in deeper formats, and I, I think that's a lot of a credit goes to Josh Allen. On it. Yeah, and Devin Singletary's been starting to come on too, and I, I know a lot of people, Finally. they had their doubts about him coming in, you know, while he was a, you know, he was a third round of pick, I believe, but you know, they didn't think he'd move up the depth chart a lot. He didn't start showing some promise early in the season. I think he got hurt. And, then, yeah, as you said, finally the last couple of weeks, he's been starting to turn it on here. Well, compared to Frank Gore, you and I might actually look like pretty fancy relevant running backs as well. I mean, it's, it, <laughs> I, it never, I never understood why they ended up going with Frank Gore and T.J. Yeldon yeah. and Devin Singletary. It was like a weird, weird way to go about improving that depth chart. Now, Singletary has been very clearly the most explosive guy and it feels a little bit like what the Packers should be doing with Aaron Jones mm-hmm. and what the Bills are finally doing with Devin Singletary as far as getting involved as the carry guy, Jamal Williams, or Frank Warren in this instance, is getting less of the workload, but he's still being a little bit of a factor. I, I think Devin Singletary is going to be one of those guys um, that you can feel comfortable with next year. Unfortunately, his strength of schedule is really difficult. The Ravens, of course, this week, they were able to shut down Tevin Coleman, but Raheem Mostert had that huge game last week, so... Maybe there's hope for him in the running game, but then he plays the Steelers in Week 15 and Patriots in Week 16. All three of those teams are top 10 in terms of least points allowed to the running back spot. So it's going to be a difficult sledding if you have to use Singletary as a running back, too. But you know he's at least explosive enough where he could break off a touchdown. He only has two running touchdowns all year. At some point, the touchdown regression will work in his positively or in his favor positively. Mm-hmm. All right, want to get your thoughts on this. Now, we're going to go back to Cleveland. I know you talked about Baker Mayfield maybe liking that matchup this week. i got to talk about that backfield because, you know, coming into this season, we thought, well, this is going to be an issue in Week 10 when Kareem Hunt is eligible to return. Him and Nick Chubb, they're going to be splitting carries. Well, now it's happening, it seems like, in Week 14 that Kareem Hunt's starting to cut into that production. He had a receiving touchdown last week. How much now are you know Nick Chubb owners getting a little concerned here, especially because this is money time down the stretch trying to win that fantasy championship. How much is Kareem Hunt going to cut into it? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't normally like to, to pat myself on the back. There's so many things that I get wrong, specifically the Eagles defense in recent memory, that it's hard to, to celebrate too much when you get things right. I was on Lamar Jackson entering this offseason, but the other big thing, at least 
um, in terms of the Rotowire magazine, which gets written and submitted like in July, yep. was that I thought Nick Chubb was was way too hyped up, and I was a little bit worried about Kareem Hunt. I think we were also, at least in my case, I was worried about the production and um, what that Browns offense would really look like, especially with Odell Beckham. Now I thought it'd be fine, and we've seen stretches where Chubb is very clearly one of the elite running backs in the NFL. I have no doubt about that. I, I just wonder how he's going to get used and. My specific thoughts, and I actually wrote about this in one of the columns that we had in the magazine, is you're talking about Nick Chubb drafting as a top five, top seven overall pick. That might not be able to be the top option come the fantasy playoffs, whether it be Odell Beckham or Kareem Hunt factoring in or Jarvis Landry. Like, there were so many weapons that could take away from Chubb's workload. That was a really concerning thing for me. And, and forget those drafting the top seven overall picks at that time and, and really didn't change all that much even towards the end of August. Like He was still a first-round Pretty clear first round pick. It felt like it was way too aggressive, and we're kind of seeing it unfold here, especially with Kareem Hunt. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again: the Browns have every incentive to make Kareem Hunt look amazing because they can get a pretty nice compensatory pick from him once he signs elsewhere this off season. And mm-hmm. they went on a limb to sign Kareem Hunt and kind of took the PR hit. You would assume for some obviously franchise changing reasons, and a third or fourth or fifth round compensatory pick is a big deal for a guy that's as talented as Kareem Hunt. And I, I think you're going to see more that it's going to be like a 60-40 split with Chubb and Hunt when it comes to the total amount of snaps. And if that's the case, you're likely making it that Chubb is getting only 8 to 10 points because he's not a factor in the passing game. That's all Kareem Hunt right now. And Hunt's also doing a few more of the carries, too. So it's it's a troublesome thing. And I, I think if you made it to the fantasy playoffs, you probably were able to utilize Nick Chubb, but I don't know if you're going to be able to win the fantasy championships with Nick Chubb. That's a different question entirely. And once again, we're talking with Joe Barnell of rotowire.com. We'll get to the Packer talk now here. And, uh, yeah, so I call out the receivers last week. Looks like the organization, they got to sign another one. These guys they have, they're not working. And then Alan Lazard has 103 yards and a touchdown, so he has a big game. And uh, Aaron Rodgers is finding guys all over the field against that Giants defense. And another great matchup coming up this week against Washington back at Lambeau. Yeah, and I mean, I don't really feel like we're wrong, and I still feel like we're yeah. wrong in our assessment of the <laughs> Packers receiving core right now. Like, it's great that Alan Lazard was able to take advantage of stomach conditions and DeAndre Baker, which is going to be very clearly the worst first-round pick of certainly this year, but could be multiple years now for the Giants. Like, they, they have whiffed horribly on that secondary selection, and that was kind of one of those, oh, yeah, this is why we were trading Odell Beckham, so we can get a th- uh, another first-round pick to take a horrible first-round option, DeAndre yeah. Baker. So uh, Giants will giant. I think that's kind of what we've assessed out of that game last week. It, it's, it's frustrating as a Packers fan to know what the offense is capable of and see it this past Sunday, then also see complete and utter tank jobs against the Chargers of 49ers in the past, too. This is going to be, I think, another great opportunity against the Redskins. I'll be going to this game. I'm looking forward to it. This is my... Wife and I, second time to Lambeau this year, uh, and I'm excited to see what should be a pretty easy win, but I hate assuming easy yeah. because for whatever the reason, the Packers seem to play down to their competition or play up to their competition uh, at times. And you know, We've seen, obviously, differences of that this year in particular, but I think Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers seem to have a great connection going forward. It will be really nice to see whether it be Jerome Lyleson or Marquez Villas-Scantling, one of those secondary option guys, do something and, and, and be consistent. I'll, I'll be fine if Lazard gets another 75 yards or whatever else, but I want to see more than three catches. Like it, I think there needs to be a number two receiver for the Packers that's relevant in order for them to make any run of the postseason. And right now, 
we just start to see them on a consistent basis for me for me to feel comfortable. Aaron Jones, we're you know we're getting towards the end of the season, and of course, then we'll start ranking guys for next year. Is he getting close to that RB one line, or you think he's already on there? Yeah, I think he's on there. But actually, uh, I'm writing a book. It's probably going to be published on you know one of those publishers on Amazon, and it's going to be instead of where's Waldo, where's Aaron Jones? <laughs> we'll just have a lot of different images of him yeah. uh, trying to find where he is because quite clearly he's disappeared. And I don't quite understand what's happening. Like I, I yeah. get it, game script wise, the Giants were just—I mean, they're just bad. They're yeah. a bad defense overall, but they are specifically bad at stopping the pass. So if you want to go ahead and win the game, have some fun in the snow, let's go ahead and throw it on. Throw it on. I get it. But why Aaron Jones can't be more utilized in the passing game, like we saw at stretches midway through the season, I don't understand. I, I, he's very clearly the second best receiver on that team. Forget the position. Like I just. It's Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones. It's no one else anywhere near there. So why they can't do what the Vikings do with Delvin Cook and Alexander Madison, I, I, I don't understand. And it's, it's frustrating. He should be a first-round pick next year. Like it, it, He should very clearly be at the back end of the first round in the 12-team leagues and something should definitely be able to rely on. But what the Packers seem to do, and it's almost like from a top-down organizationally, that they want to utilize both Jamal Williams or whatever second second back mm-hmm. and take away opportunities from Aaron Jones, it, it makes things frustrating to say he's going to be a guy that's consistently relying. He should be, but he quite clearly is not right now. Yeah, because I mean the touchdown overall touchdown numbers they're there this year, but it's uh, it's the other you know 645 rushing yards. That's the thing that kind of scares you. But he is getting the receiving yards out of the back. Yeah, I mean he's got he's got 14 total touchdowns, but we saw with Mike Williams this past year, right? He had 11 touchdowns for the Chargers this past season. Yep. He has zero now, despite leading the league in yards per target. They don't. Like the Chargers have gotten to the red zone, but they utilize more of Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler. Williams was never going to score 10 touchdowns again, but to have zero, I mean, that's just to show again, repeatedly, how fluky going touchdown to touchdown year to year is. Like it's just a hard thing to do consistently. So yeah, great. Aaron Jones is close to 1,000 total yards and 14 touchdowns. But he only has 160 carries, yeah. and that's that's only 30 more than he had last year. And we're at week 12. I mean, like he's only had 30 carries more. He played 12 games last year. He's at 12 games right now. 30 carries more. He actually has less rushing yards than he did last year. I, I don't understand what they're doing uh, with him right now. It's been frustrating to see, given what we think of him as a talent, and the fact that Packers need more talent on offense, and yet he's not being utilized to a larger extent. All right, let's get into the big week 14 matchups. Uh, running back position, who are you liking this week? It's, it's going to be interesting. I, I like, obviously, um, Baker Mayfield and the, and the Brown side of things, but we kind of saw Joe Mixon emerge. It wasn't yes. really so much this past week, but two weeks ago. Yep. He had 19 carries this past week and also got some more receiving options and a touchdown. I don't know what to make of the Browns every single week, which is a frustrating endeavor all on its own. But for whatever reason, their defense hasn't been quite quite secure. Joe Mixon, for a guy that was being drafted in the late first round, has been probably disappointing. And I can't imagine, if you are thinking about the fantasy playoffs, that you have Joe Mixon in your lineup. However, as a guy that was probably more like uh, running back 20 or 25 for a portion of the season, I think he can be a top 15, top 12 running back this week against the Browns. And again, if you have that option, you know, and you're in the fantasy playoffs, kudos to you. You obviously made some great decisions beforehand, but I think that's going to be one I look at. And how about Melvin Gordon against Jacksonville? We saw Peyton Barber uh, 
despite drawing all of my ire, did score two touchdowns <laughs> and 44. I think we had over 50 total yards. He had a few catches in there, too. Melvin Gordon is like 9 million times better than Peyton Barber. So I have to imagine if he's getting his 19-plus carries, which he has uh, in three of the past four weeks now for the Chargers, that he's going to get over 100 rushing yards. We know he gets about 20, 20 or so receiving yards as well, even though Eckler's been a factor there, too. I think he's going to be, if not a top five fantasy running back, certainly going to be a top ten, a guy that is as big of a smash spot in DFS as you can currently have. And I can't forget, while we're on running backs, I may as well touch on this, of course, with the Ron Rivera firing in Carolina, you know, Christian McCaffrey. Do you think that actually helps him now because they're just going to feed him the ball because, you know, they're just trying to finish this thing out now? Can they feed him any more than they are I was gonna say, feeding him? I mean, like, that's even thing. more, he's got, maybe? He's got 235 carries last year. Despite playing 16 games, he had 220. So he's already surpassed his career uh, carry total despite playing 12 games. And he's already on pace again to get 100-plus receptions at the running back spot. And he set a record last year. I would yeah. not be surprised if he beats that. He only needs 22 more over the next four, which is – Maybe a little bit high, but if you're the Panthers, the season's done. Obviously, Ron Rivera's out head coach. Why not stat pad your star player? Uh, and I think Christian McCaffrey, if anything, might benefit from the fact that Rivera is gone, or at the very least, he's going to be doing similar things. Like I, he's very clearly uh, the top running back option. It's not very close. I don't care who his head coach is. The Panthers are going to utilize that guy uh, to the fullest extent right now. Mm-hmm. All right, wide receiver uh, matchups this week. Who you like? I think it's going to be, well, I always have a hard time figuring out. It seems like the Bucks do too. Yes. One of one of the Mike Evans or Chris Godwin is going to go off against the Colts secondary this week. We have Chris Godwin ranked number two, Mike Evans ranked number four. There's no way both are going to be that high, but I think this is more of a, a cushion to say one of them is going to do well. If you guess it correctly, you're talking about maybe a playoff winning player right there because we've seen the highs for Mike Evans be those 35, 40-point games where he gets three touchdowns, 150-plus yards. We've seen the same thing with Chris Godwin, too. And last week, it was a Brashard Perriman week. And, and I don't think anyone said that in, like, four seasons now. Yeah, exactly. So I have to imagine we're going to go back to the basics with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. One of those guys going to go off. I think Mike Evans actually profiles better as the red zone target, obviously. But I think the Buccaneers are going to be able to move the ball and get in the red zone. And if that's the case, I like Mike Evans to score a touchdown or two. So I'm going that direction. And I think also Stefan Diggs becomes a top 10 option this week as well. I don't know if Darius Slay is going to be following him around. I also don't think it really matters. The Vikings offense is doing pretty good. And I know everyone was bashing Kirk Cousins earlier this year, but he's putting together one of the better seasons he's had in his career. And he's done it without more of his weapons at this point with Adam Thielen missing time. We think Devil Cook might be out as well. Even if Cook plays, I think Stefan Diggs gets enough uh, opportunities and big play potential to be a top 10 option for you this week. All right, at uh, quarterback this week, who do you like? Well, I am going to go with Baker Mayfield as a guy that, if you're considering streaming the quarterback position, and if you make the playoffs, that's not a concern for you. But if you have to, I feel okay about it. Now, we have to be a little bit worried about the hand injury, but just monitor that entering the week. It didn't seem like it was a problem necessarily. The Steelers' defense is just really good, and that's kind of why the Browns have been limited. Other than that, though, he had 19-plus fantasy points in three to four weeks prior the last against the Steelers has the Bengals this week that look to be a little bit better of a pass rush and could pose problems for the Browns offense line, but this is still a team that has won one game all season long and beat a team that had won three games all season long. So I'm not really trying to look too much in yeah. to what the Bengals' recent win is going to be, and I think Baker Mayfield 
has a really good chance to be productive. We also saw uh, Carson Wentz do some things this past week against the Dolphins. Why not Sam Darnold essentially doing some things, too? Uh, again, worry about his injuries. got banged up against the Bengals. We're looking at guys that if you're streaming, you're, you're playing, you could potentially play. Otherwise, I feel pretty confident saying like the Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, Pat Mahomes, Watson are all going to do just fine. Maybe Watson will be the only one against the Broncos this week that might not be your very typical top five fantasy quarterback. Yeah. At uh, tight end this week, who do you like? Who uh, is it going to be another Jack Doyle week? Can we <laughs> can we confirm be. that's going to happen? <laughs> Maybe we'll find out. Yeah, against the Buccaneers, which you'd imagine get eleven targets, especially with Eric Ebron out. We know T.Y. Hilton probably isn't coming back this week or the rest of the season potentially. So it really is Zach Pascal and, and Jack Doyle, and I think Jacoby Brissett and company are going to have to pass the ball. This will be a high-scoring game, so I think Doyle again becomes a top ten fantasy option, and I think. Similar in the vein to what we saw with the Cardinals and, and Tyler Hickey this past week, you can kind of go match it by match and assume things are going to work out pretty well at the tight end spot. So let's roll a dice and say Mike Jacecki, who has uh, emerged quietly as a top 10 tight end for multiple weeks now. Very clearly the number two receiver for the Dolphins behind Devontae Parker. I think he could be a guy, too, that you're free struggling to find somebody at the tight end. You can insert in there and say, hey, I'm going to get at least five, eight, five to eight points. And it is worth mentioning, uh, I, I keep talking about the Tuesday podcast, I did make another Culver's board bet right. with my co-host, Jake Tarski. Jeremy Sprinkle going against the Packers defense <laughs> is going to be a top 15, top 12 fantasy tight end this week. We saw some no-name Giants tight end get 70 receiving yards last week. Why not Jeremy Sprinkle, who has the best name in the NFL, <laughs> able to get at least 30 receiving yards this week? I, I'll, I'll put my Culver's board bet on that. You get sprinkles on your Sunday too if he gets that, or what? <laughs> that that might be a requirement yeah. that we'll have to have a picture taken with the sprinkles on the Sunday. And, and two, going back to your Dolphins thing, folks, this isn't your week two Miami Dolphins anymore, where they're getting blasted out and blowing out. They they've improved. I mean, that's the thing. People are thinking, well, it's the Dolphins, you know, play the defense against their offense. Not anymore. They they they're putting up points now. Yeah, and 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 they're playing pretty competitively again. Jacecki had. 28 yards receiving and a touchdown week 12 against the Browns. He had five for 79 and touchdown week 13 against the Eagles. Has the Jets who are pretty good defensively against the tight end, but I think Fitzpatrick is going to be passing, and that's going to be another high-scoring game, or at least there's going to be a lot of a lot of scoring involved. I guess I don't know. With the Jets and Dolphins, you always have to be concerned there might be defensive scoring involved yeah. in that contest. But either way, there will be points on the board, and I think as the second receiver quite clearly for the Dolphins, Jacecki can or Jacecki can do pretty good things. I think for them. Mm-hmm. And any defensive help this week you want to give us? <laughs> I'm I'm going back to the well, and if I if I'm wrong again, I understand, and, and people could get really upset with me. But it's Daniel Jones who's been the turnover machine this year for the Giants on Monday night in a game the Eagles need to win. This needs to be an opportunity for the Eagles' defense to really do well, and I think they're another top five option. I thought they were right up there again this past week because Ryan Fitzpatrick is turnover prone. They have a pass rush. That didn't end up happening. So it's the Eagles for me up there. And, of course, the Packers against Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. I think they're going to score. And I, I know I made my board bet with Jeremy Sprinkle, but I do think the Redskins are going to move the ball. They're able to get turnovers, though, the Packers are. And certainly Preston Smith and Zedarius Smith. We talk about revenge game narratives. How about Preston Smith for two or three sacks this yeah. week against his former team? Like, I think they're going to do pretty well, and they're probably the top overall option this week. All right. Again, give us all the details. That great Tuesday podcast where we can hear more of those great bets that you got. Yeah, more more Culver's yes. more bets is what I keep hearing from the Twitter audience. That's 
That's not true. Nobody needs to hear more Culver Sport bets, but Culver's is great. I, I feel like I'm auditioning for a sponsorship <laughs> that I'll never have, but you know, one day maybe uh, I'll get the grace of God on my side and we'll yes. have Culver's uh, helping us out. But yeah, uh, every Tuesday, my co-host and I, Jake Lukarski, and I break down all the free agent pickups that you could go after. We really spent some extensive time talking about Alexander Madison and what kind of free agent budget you need to invest in him right now if he's still available. Talked about a few of the guys like Zach Pascal, all those guys. But overall, the Rotoware Podcast Network has been fantastic, specifically for the football season. Uh, Monday, we have Chris Liss and Jeff Erickson, two outstanding members of the fantasy sports field, uh, breaking down all the action that occurred on Sunday. We have the game recaps overall that occur on Thursdays with Mario Puig and John McKechnie. And then if you're into DFS, um, there's nobody better than uh, Scott Jenstead. Andrew Laird breaking down the action on Friday podcast. So I feel like I'm like the fourth member of a, a great uh, five-man rotation for RotoWire, and uh, we do a lot of uh, fun things on the Tuesday podcast. But every one of the podcasts throughout the week are worth a listen if you are interested in fantasy football. Well, Joe, again, thank you so much for your time this week, uh, and uh, good luck this week. All right. Yeah, good luck to everyone else out there with their fantasy laps in the playoffs. Let's make sure we have uh, some success this week. And that's going to wrap up another edition of the Fantasy Football Zone podcast. This is PJ. Thank you again for taking some time out, spending it with us here today. Again, best of luck this week. We hope scoring is up this week. I can't have another week like last week, so hopefully some big points are put up and they will help you in your uh, quest to win the Fantasy Football Championship as the playoffs are getting underway here. So best of luck this week. You can always follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy, and we'll check in with you again next week. Thanks for checking us out, Fantasy Football Zone Podcast. Subscribe to the Fantasy Football Zone and give us a five-star rating while you're at it. Follow us on Twitter at DraftThatGuy. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Football Zone Podcast.